This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, one of the questions we often get at Your Morning Basket is what does morning time look like with older kids? So often we get the picture in our head of kind of a circle time situation where we have a lot of little kids around us. But can morning time actually transfer to kids who are out of the elementary school years? And you know what? It can. Today's guest is Kim Devers, and this mom of many is now doing morning time with only two kids, and both of them are middle school age. And so she's come on the podcast today to talk to us about what that looks like in her home and how morning time has changed some over the years. It was a fun conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. We'll get on with it right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by MereMotherhood.com. It was back in the 1980s when Cindy Rollins, then a new mom in search of the best ways to teach her young son, first heard about homeschooling. 30 years and nine children later, Cindy has become a popular blogger, podcaster, and award-winning teacher. A journey that she has documented in her memoir, Mere Motherhood, Morning Times, Nursery Rhymes, and My Journey Towards Sanctification. Published by the Searcy Institute, Mere Motherhood is the story of boyhood shenanigans, cross-country moves, and all the heartbreaks and joys that accompany motherhood. Head over to meremotherhood.com to learn why Sarah McKenzie calls this a book that is written with grace and humility. Packed with insight and perspective only a thoughtful, experienced homeschooling mama can give. The kind of book you'll borrow from a friend and never want to give back. And I'll tell you, you're not getting my copy. This was one of my absolute favorite reads of the past year. I was so inspired by Cindy's work. So use the code PAM when you check out to save 10% on your purchase. And don't forget to look up Cindy's Charlotte Mason-themed podcast, The Mason Jar, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find it all at meremotherhood.com. And now, on with the podcast. Kimberly Devers is the wife of Jim, whose big, generous, supportive heart has for over 25 years helped her pour love bravely into her projects, including running a classical education co-op, striving for a more simple lifestyle, studying classical education, and occasionally writing at her blog, Juniper and Willows. She spends most days trusting God to give her the grace and wisdom to raise up four of seven children who still live in their newly acquired farmhouse in rural Kentucky, where they are working on renovations and exploring the recently discovered secret garden out back. A seasoned mom, Kim is joining us on this episode of the podcast to talk about morning time with middle graders. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Pam. It is an honor to be here. Well, we are so, so happy to have you on because you are just one of those pleasant personalities that I really get to enjoy talking to because we chat sometimes on Voxer and we've taken some classes together online. And so you always bring a ray of sunshine wherever you are. So I'm happy to have you here. Well, I'm happy to be here, and thank you for that 
is Boxer's been a blessing to so many of us, made friends across the nation. So it's incredible, isn't it? It really is how it helps us build build this Mm -hmm. classical education community for sure. Well, start off by telling us a little bit about your family and what morning time looks like at your house. As you said earlier, I have children that have gone on to get married and have jobs of their own and families of their own. I have one son that has Down syndrome and he lives with us, of course. He is a 20, he's getting ready to turn 20 this fall. And he's always been involved, I guess since he was about six years old, with school outside of the home during the day, during the regular school year. He adds a lot of joy to our family. He's definitely affected how I parent, how I make decisions, helps all of us kind of temper our, I guess, our strong wills, because a lot of times we have to stop and rethink things around here. And that's just part of our, kind of part of our culture. And I'm really grateful for that. Although it's probably been one of the most frustrating things to deal with at times. As I look back over the last 20 years, it's been such a good lesson for all of us in just doing that old thing of love begins at home, right? Charity begins at home. So there's that element that goes into just about everything that I choose to do with the children. I try to put the heart first, every choice that I make. And so I think that has probably been the biggest driving force with our choices to homeschool. And in particular, varying morning time type things that we've done throughout the years, whether they were in school or at home, which we've had a combination of both through the years. So that's kind of our background. I guess my background with morning time is just that we've always had some element of it, but it's definitely been more focused and defined in the past two years, especially this past year. We've made it more of a priority. Well, yeah, let's talk about that because I know when you and I were discussing this particular episode of the podcast, you told me about something special you guys had done. So, well, first of all, let's set the stage. Who are you doing morning time with right now in your home? I did not. I did not have a high schooler this past year um, doing morning time. She had classes outside of the home, quite a few. She had an ACT prep class that took her away from home for half a year, once a week. And she also had all kinds of commitments, like small jobs and that sort of thing. So in in order for us to be consistent, I just had to say, I'm planning for my then 10-year-old and 12-year-old, a boy and a girl. The 10-year-old's a boy, or he's getting ready to be 11. <laughs> the 11-year-old is a boy and the 13-year-old is a girl. And I decided just to plan everything around them. We have, for the last past year, our co-op was using a program called CCM, which is a program that covers eight different memory tags, if you will. Sort of like CC, only it incorporates the Catholic faith in the choices that they make. And it, you know, rolls around every, you know, rotates on a four-year basis. And last year, we did Alpha Year in that. So during co-op, which went from... September through May for us, we were using materials that supported that for a lot of our other subjects. We were using, for instance, in history, it was the ancient years. And so uh, the literature that we picked to do at home went along with those things. So when we came to the end of co-op, which I led, which was quite a job, you know, we were in charge of hiring people for the first time, figuring out what, what would happen if someone was absent one of the tutors, and it was just a lot for me, a lot of responsibility. So a lot of the time, we didn't finish every single thing that I wanted to do, especially the reading part. So for the last 10 weeks of school, well, after our co-op ended, 
toward the beginning of May, <laughs> 10 weeks, I made a pact with the kids. I took Erin Condren planning pages, just ripped them out of an old book that I hadn't finished everything in. And so they were pretty and I decorated them. And for 10 weeks, we did just diligent school. And we really made it a commitment, a priority. I said that we're doing school and we're not going to even miss morning time one time. And we're going to make sure that we make it to karate because they were at the end of finishing up all of their karate training. So we just stuck to that for 10 weeks. It was hard. There were times where we, we had to miss for certain things like a, an appointment or someone got sick and I had to take care of them and the family. And we made it up on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So it was really 50 days of school that we did not miss anything. <laughs> and it was up on the walk. We could all see the progress we were making. And it was just a lovely experience. It was really, we grew quite a bit. We realized we could do it. Isn't that huge to realize that you can do it? You know, if if you set your mind to it and make it a priority to realize that you can. Yes. And it's so much, I had mentioned karate. It's so much like a sport where you push yourself beyond what you think you could possibly do. And then you go, wow, we did that. You know, there's that feeling of I can do these things. And it wasn't perfect. There were times where, you know, and we've talked about this some on your Facebook page. New people will sometimes say, but my kids, throw, they throw down a fit in the middle <laughs> of the liturgy part where we're doing a prayer. That doesn't play all the way. I don't know ever if it ever does all the way. But what happens is that over time with consistency, especially with kids towards the middle school age and then middle school age, they really start to enjoy the rhythm of it, even if they think that they don't. They love that rhythm of knowing where they're going next, where the next step is. And it's right. just the next page that you're turning <laughs> to do together or separately or in court or, you know, in alter, you know, altering between person and person. So they really enjoy that comfort of knowing what's next and what's expected, even if they rebel. So it's worth every minute of that. We have rewards every Friday. We would have a reward. There were many, many M-I-N-I rewards, um, <laughs> like popcorn and a movie and sleeping downstairs, which they love to do. My husband thinks they're nuts for wanting to sleep on the floor, but <laughs> that's what they want to do is camp out. And so we would do those kind of rewards on Fridays. And then at the end of the first five weeks, we did a larger reward. I think it was going, we went maybe to visit somebody, one of our relatives, you know, cousins or something, or had somebody over to spend the night or something. And then at the end of the 10 weeks, we had a field trip schedule. So they got to go somewhere, which wound up, wound up being more of a vacation than a field trip which was beautiful. It just worked out that way. We got to breathe a real sigh of relief knowing those books were closed. We were done for the summer. We got to those things that we did not finish or I just couldn't work in during the regular quote-unquote hubbub of the school year. Well, I want to break down a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned C- sure. you mentioned CCM, and I wanted to yes. point out to our listeners that that is classically Catholic Memory is the name of the program, and it is a memory work program. It's kind of similar to see, you know, there are some differences. It's basically geared towards Catholic families. I've used some of this memory work myself, though we don't use it exclusively in our homeschool. And so if you're looking, if you're a Catholic family and you're looking at, you know, some kind of program to use, and you can even find co-ops like Kim's around the country that do this kind of memory work in a co-op setting. So I did want to 
to put the name of that out there because I know we've got some women who are frantically searching for a pen going, what was that thing she was talking about? I want to write that down. Now, you've hinted at some of the fruits of this kind of, I love the fact that you gave yourself a 50-day challenge and you said, Mm -hmm. we're going to get up and we're going to do school. We're going to do morning time for 50 days. And if we don't, if we miss for some reason during the week, we're going to do it on the weekend and we're going to hit these five days a week for 10 weeks. And so could you see a fruit uh, from sitting there and doing specifically the morning time portion? Was there some fruit that was born from doing this for so many days in a row? There, as always, there always is. I mean, once again, the consistency, you see fruit especially if you're putting beautiful, heart-filled, wonderful things in front of the children and you're doing them with them, you're going to see fruits if you're consistent. When I was thinking about talking to you, I was thinking, what is it that, when I say beauty, this brings about beauty, what, is, what does that even mean? Because I try to I try to look at things in caricature like we're supposed to do with classical studies. We're supposed to imagine a caricature so that we can start to understand it and, and you know, embrace it in our hearts. So um, I started thinking, well, what, what does it mean, the beauty that I'm talking about with morning time and just liturgical practices in the home? And I, I think that I wrote down this. It establishes patterns and thoughts and rhythms to hold on to throughout the moment of the day. And I wrote the word musical down and the word music of the spheres. When we are, and this is not every single moment of morning time by any means. There are some kind of ugly moments that we have to work through, like I mentioned before. But when we're in, we're when we're being consistent with prayer life, whether it's me by myself or with a group or a family, with certain types of prayers like night prayers, we start to, I believe, develop patterns, especially in the memory work. Um, I noticed that we started to almost. It seemed like, and this is the caricature I have in my in my mind right now that I've tried to embrace in my heart. It's as if we're drawing figure eight with our with our minds, almost like we're skating or doing some type of rhythmic dance, um, a gentle dance when we're doing memory work as a group in the morning. If we're consistent, because what happened? I noticed this with um, we did the speech of Patrick Henry for our great words, which is part of the CCM program for this past year. And it is long, and it is not a poem. It's a speech. And I, you know, at first, I was thinking, am I, you know, this looks like drudgery, making us do this every day, because it took, at first, three minutes or something to do it, two minutes long. It was a lot of talking. But at the end of 10 weeks, 50 days of repeating the speech of Patrick Henry, it's excerpts from Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death, 75. Okay, when we got to the end of the 50 days, we had such a cadence and a rhythm that it was musical. And I thought, oh, that's like the music of the spheres, or we can hear the celestial choirs of the angels in our souls from memorizing some beautiful, inspirational words. And that what the beauty is of it. <laughs> so it's almost like, it's as if the sacramental life, which we can experience at church, in church communities, of course, in marriage and baptism and the rituals like that, but we can also experience sacramental life by this type of liturgy in the home, not to replace for certain <laughs> what mm-hmm. we do at church, but to enhance and to bring home what we get at church and just to bring that ladder to heaven home so that we understand that that is something that we can, we should, we ought to aspire to climb every day, whether we're 10 years old or 47. So 
that that community, that communal resuscitation and work that we did, sacrifice that we did, was beautiful because of the things that I just described. The music of the spheres, I understand, oh, that's what people were writing about back in the day. It was this beauty that they could hear because they took the time to hear it. So it's almost like by memorizing it, you came to understand it better. We did. And I did. We noticed, too. And I, I, we didn't really sit and talk about this. But toward the end of the 50 days, somewhere in there, toward the end, I began to notice that I would hear something out in the world. And I would realize how close it was to what I heard in Patrick Henry's speech or in the hymn that we had studied. Or maybe even it was a, a grammar recitation that we, we also worked through. I would begin to hear the cadence echoed in something else and connect it and go, that is beautiful, you know, or the words would come back. I would be doing something, you know, insignificant, like sweeping the floor. And instead of getting irritated, all of a sudden, the cadence of a line would pop into my head. And I would go, if this is happening to me, I sure hope it's happening to the kids. And I'm pretty sure it did. So we didn't talk about it very much. Middle schoolers, if you talk about things like that too much, they're going to maybe not think it's so good. And, you know, they might rebel a little bit, but we don't really talk about it too much unless they bring it up. I think that's everything. Well, let's um, let's get into that kind of some of those aspects of doing morning time that are very specific to those middle school grades because you, you brought up yes. a little piece of it there. So let's start with that. One of the big elephants in the room is that teens and tweens sometimes have a reputation for being hard to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, so do you have... <laughs> Do you have this issue at your house? And if so, have you made any adjustments to your morning time as a result of this? Oh, yes. In fact, that was the biggest uh, reason we had success. I just let it go. I just said, you know what? I'm not, I like to get up early, but it still takes me a really long time to be fully awake. And so I totally understand when someone just doesn't want to get started in the morning. I get that. So instead of fighting them, For instance, I know I wrote it on schedule for the first probably three weeks, morning time, 8 to 9.30 or something, or 8 to 12, because really we do, I'll get into that in a minute, but we get into more than just morning time when we did this this way. But I would write that diligently, 8 to noon or whatever. We typically started, if we were really on the ball, we would start at 10.30. (laughs) If we were on normal days, though, it was closer to noon, which sounds insane. I know it sounds crazy. But it just worked better. I, we were awake. I could do some tweaking to my planning. I could do some business for my husband, which I help him with sometimes and things like that. There were all kinds of things that I could do in the morning. And they had their, they, they used the spiral notebook stuff where they're independent. So if I happen to get stuck doing something before that time, which, which happens sometimes around here, they still had things they, they worked on. So it wasn't like they didn't have anything to do independently. But I, I let go of the rigidity of saying morning time must be morning time. In fact, we started calling it table time toward the end of the 50 days because I said, this is ridiculous. I can't call this morning time anymore. And we were laughing, all of us saying, well, what should we call it? So we made up all kinds of goofy names. And finally, table time is what we stuck with toward the end of that. Make it more real. I love the fact that you, you know, you let them make up the goofy names and then pick which one they wanted to use. So that's a yes. lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, you really have to embrace what works for your family and yet keep the discipline of, you know, even though we're not going to do it first, we are still going to make sure we fit it in making that commitment. I love that you shifted the schedule 
to make it work for you guys. What advice do you have for the mom of a teen or a tween who is balking at the idea of sitting down to morning time? Well, I sectioned it off. I sectioned it off into several sections. And I think that that may help also. And I also type it all up exactly what we are going to do, which takes a little bit of time, but it helps me because what it does is it helps me tweak and plan as I go when I'm typing to see what won't work or what I've left out completely or to see, oh my goodness, I've got five hymns here. That's not going to work because we do those during memory time. You know, So it helps me organize it as I type it. So that's one thing it does. The other thing it does is that I can print out a copy for each binder. And it is very important at that age. I think it's very important at that age for them to hold their own binder and be responsible for turning that page. Because sometimes if there is an, a really bad attitude going on, you can simply say, turn the page. Instead of going through a long litany of what they ought to be doing, you know? So I think that there's sort of a professional to have a binder in your hand. It's more real that you're doing this thing. So you've got that object there if they turn the page or turn to the memory section or turn to the review section for today. So you have a command over it a little bit, maybe. That helps a lot, I think. So do you think them having the schedule and knowing like exactly what was included and what you were going to be doing, this is it, you know? This is our commitment for today. And this is what I, I'm asking you to give all in for. And then after that, we're done. Do you think that's helpful? Well, I do. And if you want me to talk about that, our memory binders, our morning time binders a little bit, because I think that'll explain it's semi-permanent. It's permanent for that amount of time that we that I've said. Well, for, for our last 10-week push, it was permanent for that amount of time. For Christmas time, we had a five-week Christmas or pre-Christmas binder. But what I do is I take the first part of our table time is more liturgy focused. I've got the words, for instance, our morning time liturgy and ring the bell three times. That job rotates between the two of them. Light the candle. That job rotates between the other one. They switch jobs. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Turn to the east. I make them turn to the east. Also another solid thing you could have them do (laughs) that gets the focus back on what we're doing, the objective rather than the fight that's going on in their heart. There's a hymn, and I put hymn of the month. We we rotate that out using a program where they release one hymn a month. Then I have the word sit in bold, and then I have my daughter's name, a reading from the book of Job. That's the book that we worked on this year. And at the end, she says the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God as we would in our liturgy at church. Then we have the word stand in my son's name, and he reads off the gospel according to Matthew because that's where we are (laughs) in scripture. And then in bold, I have crossed forehead, lips, and heart saying, glory to you, O Lord. And it goes on that way, all the way through the gospel. Then we, we did two really long prayers that we've worked on for about a year and a half. And I, I don't know that we'll ever really let these go while they're in, you know, well, I'm homeschooling because they're so beautiful. They're longer prayers. And one of them is called, The Beauty of Creation Bears Witness to God. There is no author listed in the hymnal that I got it from. And the other one is, Lord, thy love for me is strong by St. Teresa. Once again, they don't tell which St. Teresa, but it's also a beautiful, longer prayer poem. And then we do a hymn. And in between the hymns that are in our binder, are come the, they know, well, that's why I have it listed out for them, so that they know where the Bible readings fit in between the hymns, so that we're not doing five hymns in a row. We're taking a hymn, and then I'm reading to them a story of the saint of the day. 
and for a while, like if we, if whatever, depending on what time of the year it is, we don't, what I read to them during this part of the, the morning time will be focused on that part of the year. For instance, we just finished The Day the Sun Danced, which is a beautiful rendition of Our Lady of Fatima, the appearance of her. And so we read through that, and it normally would have been kind of a dry book for us to sit on the couch and read or me to try to catch them in the car <laughs> and have them read aloud to me. It would have been a little dry te- of a text, but in this context, during the serious part of our, our table time, I was able to make sure that we didn't read too much for it to become too dry for us, you know, maybe a page or a page and a half but I was able to keep control over that because it was a more serious time. And this whole thing only lasted about 15 minutes unless we added in an extra reading just because they were wanting to finish something. It was usually their request if that part went longer. Then we would move immediately into the memory daily work, which we started off with the longer passage I mentioned from our great words from our co-op this year of Patrick Henry, that speech. And then we went into heavy review because what we had done was we had covered so much material already. And I think that something that I need to point out with, with middle schoolers, most of the stuff that goes into my children's binders for memory work and memory review, they've already been exposed to multiple times in varying forms. So what I found that's interesting and good about doing table time with middle schoolers is that they do have exposure to so many things. So when you present you don't have to do so much explanation with the work. They kind of already know that they need to know their multiplication facts. You don't have to explain the concept to them. They already know the concept. They just need to review and memorize them. Same thing with the grammar recitation and grammar rules. They're already applying them somewhere else or they have the year before. You're just reinforcing what they already know. So I think there's a little bit of logic that they might catch on to subconsciously. They see that, oh, I've had this before and they recognize it. So they know that it must be important if they're hearing it again, even if outwardly they show that they're kind of annoyed that they have to go do this again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that that's a big relief with that older group for the mom or the teacher. She knows they've had this before. There's not a lot of research that has to go into the presentation for it. Yeah, and they can see that it's useful. They may not always like doing it, but they can, you know, if they will stop and admit it, they can see the use of it. So I wanted to touch on a couple of points that you were talking about here. So first of all, you have really set up this mini liturgy in your home. This is the pattern of morning time that we follow. And I really want to point out to some people who are listening, maybe even people with younger kids, just because they like listening to all of the podcast. And so they don't have older kids yet. They have younger kids. We really want to point out... This is for older kids. This is what Absolutely. a you know a little more serious kind of start to the morning time can look like in a house where there aren't toddlers running around. Right. All of the children are older. Now, having said that, you're almost using like a toddler distraction technique where if they start giving yeah. you a bad attitude or they start giving you a hard time, you distract them from, and I love the way you said it, from the, the struggle that's in their heart by drawing their attention back to the binder. And because you've got it all set up, you just say, turn the page. And you know, you're know yes. you pulling their attention away from that struggle that they're wanting to start. And just with that simple, it's not a fight. I'm not going to fight with you about it. I'm just going to direct your attention back to what we're supposed to be doing. And because I've got it all laid out so beautifully, you really don't have a choice. <laughs> yes. There's for no us, question. For us, 
with the ages of our children, morning time, table time, it is their religious instruction. It is serious, and it's embodied in the rhythm, in the very rhythm of it. I want to say that might not work for every family. Every family might not be like Kim's family, and every mom might not take the approach that Kim takes, but it's an option. You know, if you're struggling, it is an option that you could try. You know, it would be something that I could try with my kids because of my personality, and it might actually bear some fruit if we ever did something like that one day. And then I know that there are, you know, some other mamas out there I know who would never try anything like this. And that's completely okay, too. But I just love, to me, there's a certain appeal that your answer is just this simple, we have it laid out, and I'm just redirecting you back to what is right to do. Yes. And another one of those little lines that that I used quite frequently, we used real candles because of the ages of my children. They used real matches so they could actually learn how to strike a match, which is sort of a dying art in our culture, weirdly. So we had, we pulled out the little bell from the Montessori kit, the little metal bell and the little candle that looks like a, a church candle, really a small one and a real snuffer and a real little metal basket to put the matchsticks in when they were done. And all of those tools came out. They were stored right beside the table and they came out with the Bible and with the more serious books. You know, the less serious ones were kind of scattery. You know, I'd grab a basket or throw them on the shelf or whatever right before. But the more serious things were always stored, what I call liturgical props, items, artifacts. So they knew what they were. And when they were out and when that candle was lit, which we, I was almost to that point where I would tell, let's see, I had passed the point. When we finished that, liturgical aspect, which I said took between 15 and 20 minutes, that candle was snuffed on because I was able to say when the candle was lit, hey, the candle's lit. This is not the time to talk about when you're supposed to go to the Orthodontist tomorrow. Why it's so early, that appointment, you know? So it really was another one of those lines. The candle's lit. Can't talk about that right now. I wouldn't even have to say we can't talk about that right now. I would say the candle's lit. Right. And we just move on. So there's another little one of those lines that would help focus. Because when that went out, we knew that we were a little bit freer to maybe discuss, oh, so birds have backbones for those. I mean, Mom, that's funny because I just read this thing yesterday, and they would talk about one of the things that was in the memory work. That happened, and I would let it a little bit after that candle was snuffed when we would get to the memory work. Memory work for you is an extension of what they've done before. You really don't change the type of memory work that you do. You just continue reviewing, and then you might add a few longer speeches like the longer prayers that you were talking about or the Patrick Henry speech that, you know, has gotten a little bit longer than some of the shorter things that elementary students might memorize. Well, that, that is a good point. Okay, let's just say that because um, they had already memorized maybe, I mean, if I look back, I could tell you it's five or six passages or sections of the How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare, and they're all in a review day because they have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday review section. That is maybe two or three things to kind of go through. And I changed that out after maybe two months. And I felt like they had it. I never could get it that quickly. They had it, though. They had it maybe in three weeks. <laughs> but Latin, the Latin grammar, vocabulary, I mean, the Latin vocabulary sheet, there were maybe, let's see, there were about 30 words here, simple words, um, in their definition. They would simply say, vir, man, femina, woman, fuer, boy, fuella, girl. Okay, they would go through the list like that, and I would do it as well. When I realized that they were not looking at it, I will change that out. But I'll put okay. it in the same spot. Okay, so you change it out when you realize that 
They've got yeah. it. And yes, they always get it so much faster than what we get it. I really, yes, I don't even try to keep up with them. I tell them my brain is tired and yours is more plastic and you can make grooves a lot quicker than I can and you should. And so I'm amazed at what you can do. That's what I say to them. I'm just amazed at what you can do. <laughs> I love the fact, though, that you're doing it with them. Even if, you know, oh, you yeah. know you're not going to catch it. You know, you're not sitting there quizzing them. And I think this is so oh, important for any oh, age kid. No. Oh, especially that age kid. That age is very important to approach them where they are and to love them where they are. And it's so, I mean, you know, we all say, okay, well, you love your kids, Kim, so that's easy for you to say. But I did teach kids that were not my, my kids this year, but I call them my kids and they're not my kids. But I taught at our co-op and I wound up teaching seventh and eighth graders and say, oh my goodness, they're so smart for one thing. That age group is so smart and they love things. They love people. And so if you can meet them where their loves are, then it's just an explosion of goodness that comes out of that. And I'm not exaggerating. It can be a really good experience for the teacher and the mom. So I just urge people to definitely don't go at middle schoolers with a quizzing type approach. It's so hard not to. You've kind of hinted at some of this, but I want to ask you this question. You know, we talk about how morning time is is an important, you know, the fourth R of morning time is relationship. And those middle school years can be so crucial to strengthening and maintaining strong relationships with our kids. So do you think Mm -hmm. morning time plays a role in your ability to do that at your house? It does. It does. Our relationships have definitely, definitely gotten closer. And there are things that you share. You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, how, you know, when you read together, those characters become part of your family. And that is true. We all know that when we've read to our kids, we understand that and get that. But I'm also thinking that the experiences we have with our everyday grind and our everyday joys, you can't escape that during table time. They're kind of stuck with each other from whether it's 15 minutes because you have a lot of toddlers or you have a special needs child at home at that moment, or whether it's four hours because you include, as I do, the other things like wonder in nature, wonder in history, all those things. I include that at the end of our table time as part of our our table time. So ours goes on between two and a half and four hours, depending on what we can handle that day, what I can do that day, what I can deal with that day because of the age of my children. If they're, I remember when my kids, I had three under the age of six at home at one point, and our morning time was much different. I would occasionally get out the special, they called them, you know, the special liturgical things. And occasionally I would light a candle and I would put it up on a shelf, you know, but we didn't do that normally. You know, it sometimes consisted of me reading from a religious book, kids book to them. And then, you know, saying a quick prayer, holding hands, or maybe singing a song, maybe putting a video in after that and singing together. It just has to do with the heart. Once again, we're, we're your heart, if you can find your kid's heart. It's all about connecting with their hearts, where their heart is. Even if that is video games, if they're not your kids and you're just coming into this as a school teacher, or if your kids were in public school and now they're not. I've done that. I've actually had that. You know, done that twice. It's a you have to give yourself grace and space, <laughs> and you have to do that for your children as well, especially that one that is going well. 
what is this? This is weird. What are you doing? You know, I used to just get up and get online and do my schoolwork for you. And now you're wanting me to do what? (laughs) Trying to meet them with what they love and trying to start out really small if you're starting from scratch with this, especially with middle schoolers and older. Because I have a a daughter, like I said, that's in high school as well. And she loves it when we include her. And we we always include, you know, would welcome her. We loved it when she came. But she just wasn't always able to be there consistently. And so it wasn't always possible. But when she was there, she seemed to really enjoy it because she saw that we were enjoying ourselves. We were kind of, the, the kids were kind of, I don't want to say proud, but they wanted to show her what we were doing. Mm. So there was that too. And when my husband was home, he was listening from the other room after the prayer part was over. He sometimes joined us for the prayers when he was home. The memory work, we'd lose him, but he'd hear us from the other room and he would always come by and say, that's thought, you know, that's great. That's a good thing to do. Yeah. You know, it really kind of affected our whole family positively. We did. Oh, that's awesome. We've talked a little bit about the roles that your kids play in morning time, but they are very, especially that even past the first 15 minute, what you were calling the liturgical portion, then into the memory work, they've got their own binders. So they do have an important role to play in morning time. So how has your role changed as a member or a leader of morning time? I take more time to put thought in the in the materials. And I think because they're holding their own binders, that frees my mind up a little bit as we're working to really pay attention to see if they're getting bored with something that we've had in there too long. Maybe put that on a rotation of once a week on one of the daily reviews instead of everyday review. Also, if, we're, if they're getting faster at doing some of the memory work, I may think, hmm, next week, I think we can add one extra little fact or even another. I don't usually add to the time that we're doing things because now we've got it settled. But in the beginning, I added things as we got used to the time. But these last 10 weeks, we were already established with this routine. For the most part, for the last 10 weeks, I didn't vary it at all as far as what was in the binders. But I knew what to put in there because I had the benefit of them being part of it long enough where I could kind of watch their disposition. So other than the Uh, liturgy portion, do they ever lead any parts of the morning time? Any of the other parts? Do you ever have them read out loud? or? Yes. Now, the memory binder, when we're finished with those daily reviews, which are not the daily review, and then we go to the, the weekday review, which was very short, we close those binders and say, we are done with that. Put it away. And then, depending on what we are going through that day as far as outside commitments with doctor's appointments and picking up the other child or something, we either moved into what I called, well, I didn't really have a name for it because I had, what I did was I had this time where I read to them. So really, I guess I called it my reading time to them where I would read aloud to them. But we still sat at the table because during that time, there was some independent work like handwriting. I still make them do handwriting. Handwriting and maybe copying work and that kind of thing. They just did some things that I'm not going to say it was mindless, but they could definitely work on while I read to them. I think that middle school kids can multitask. In fact, I think sometimes things that I really want them to know can get in there better when they are busy. Right. Yeah. And it's they're using a different part yes. of the brain while yes. they're listening. Yes. I categorize the different types of, I guess, literature based on what, you know, like the, the, the seven liberal arts, basically. 
So what I did was I called it Wonder in Space, Wonder in Time, Wonder in Nature and Memory, Wonder in Math, Wonder in Math. And what I did was I took the material that I found to be very beautiful that I wanted to make sure that my children heard and were exposed, experienced, really. And I lifted those out and I rotated those back and forth. Can you so give me instance, an example? Yeah, give me an example yes, of something that yes, you read. Of course. Okay, so for Wonder in Space, we used Universe in My Hands. And we used H.A. Ray's stars, but we rotated those around to where we weren't reading about the stars every single day. So I would work that in. And then we worked our way through the Norse myths, the Billiers book, which I know they would have thought that would have gotten lost had we not had time to do that. And I didn't have a label for it, like a category for it. And it wasn't written out. Just those stories. We finished that this past year. A lot like fairy tales. We finally made it through that. Also during this time, oh, and then, if, and then how I included them with these things is that if I had too many books in a category, especially at the beginning of the 10 weeks, I was going, I don't want all this on my plate because it's too much. And I'll let them choose, especially the history text. I mean, the history classics, the, the literature. I just laid out five choices per kid and said, pick two of those. And that's what they did. And so they sort of owned it. And even if it wasn't their favorite book, they knew that they had chosen it. And then we did the bird study notebooking pages and we used Lynn Seddon's nature journal, which we did not use as often as I wanted to. That's my goal for this coming year that we're going to nature journal more. Exploring nature with children. I wanted to say the name yes. of it. So we are sure yes, to link it in the show notes. And what I did was I let them pick the bird. Any of them. I, threw it, you know, I would just go in front of them and say, okay, pick one before I started reading something else. And they picked one. And then they were responsible for looking up four facts, writing it out, and coloring the page. It had to have color on it. I didn't care what material they used, but they had to put color on that page on that bird. That kept them busy while I read other things. It had nothing to do with birds, but I read to them. And then we did raise math every single day, no matter what. We would just pick up where we left off the day before. I guess the only other thing that we did that was not necessarily in that morning time was ever so often, and I did this when I felt like we needed it. So it was maybe once every 10 days, six days, something like that at school. We would do Alexio Dodinia, which was in addition to what we did on our daily basis. It was some special time with scripture, basically meditating on scripture very quietly and writing a prayer as a family and looking at the picture that went with it and talking about the, the art, the sacred art. I really want to point out one thing you said that I think is so important for middle school students. You're letting them make choices about what you're doing. Yes, it takes some prayer and discernment and wisdom. You have to ask for wisdom from God for that. I don't believe that there's very many people that just have a talent of being able to steer the ship and let people make choices because it doesn't even sound like it goes together. But we know that when we love people and we learn how to thrive in community and build community, that that is what it is. That's the key to it. It's that there is a leader. That leader steers the ship, but that leader also gives people their freedom. And it is just great from God that does that. Kim, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about doing morning time with what can be, you know, just a pleasant, joyful age, but what can be a challenging age too. I really appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. and I've enjoyed going back through the year too. That was really good. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to the books and resources that Kim and I talked about today on the podcast, 
You can find them on the show notes for this episode of Your Morning Basket, and that is at pmbarnhill.com forward slash YMB38. Now, we also have a special little download for you over there as well. Kim has made a printable of her Wonder Loop list, all of the subjects that she loops through what she calls her Wonder List that she talked about today on the podcast. Wonder in mathematics, wonder in space, those kinds of things. She's typed up the whole list for you, and she's also given you a couple of her favorite books or reading suggestions for each of the topics on the list. So this is a fun little printable to put into your morning time binder. You can find all of that along with directions on how to leave a rating or review of the Your Morning Basket podcast at the show notes at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB38. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great morning time interview. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.